I think last week I was, I was just ranting a little bit, just, just talking about the, the trance that we fall into uh, in having our sense of well-being dependent on, um, on things that can't give us any reliable peace and especially dependent on what happens in a, in a future, which, you know, the, the future really is, there is no such thing. It never really arrives, uh, except as unfolding present moments, but it really never arrives because time is always now, and it's just really imaginary. And to tether our sense of well-being to something that hasn't yet occurred and then to hold ourselves, in a sense, hostage in a state of suspended happiness, we deprive ourselves of this capacity for peace and ease that turns out to be the natural peace and ease of our nature that's just waiting and hiding in plain view, but we're busy waiting for to get what we want or get rid of what we don't want or become what we are not yet. And all of this is that a very strong trick of our mind to associate our happiness with things that just don't, don't um, deliver. And the teachings just point to an, uh, an unconditional well-being, a well-being that doesn't depend on circumstances. It doesn't depend on whether our body is comfortable or it's, or it's in pain or our mind is scattered or it's quiet. Quiet mind, of course, makes it possible to see more clearly what are, what, what's going on and to, to develop wisdom, but a quiet mind is a temporary condition, and as is everything. Everything that has the nature to come has the nature to go, and so any kind of uh, reliance, dependence on something that is uh, insubstantial or impermanent, that doesn't last, and that includes our... As I think I spoke last week, it includes our identities, uh, our roles, our different, you know, my, um, you know, I was talking about last week that um, here I'm, you know, I'm the guru, but then I go home and it doesn't last very long. <laughs> and, and eventually I'll, I'm, you know, as I age a little more and I may, you know, I'm, I just may not keep doing this. So this role will end, my body will end, my health will end, my life will end. can't rely on it. And so it leaves that question, what can we rely on? What is it that we rely on? And I talked a little bit about the wisdom of understanding that you can't rely on anything, and because you can't, you stop reacting so much when things aren't necessarily the way you want them to be. You, you learn to, to find a sense of balance and um, what's called equanimity, equipose. That this kind of, this understanding, yeah, although I wish things were otherwise, things are just the way they are. Or I, especially when it comes to loving somebody and wanting them to be happy, not just myself, I, equanimity says, I love you, I care about you, but I can't keep you from suffering. It's knowing, it's having wisdom that, that helps us um, 
find a, some kind of perspective, some kind of balance so that we can meet our life without so much reactivity and so much contentiousness. So that's one thing, the wisdom that brings equanimity. But another, and the reason I really wanted to speak of this tonight, is just the quality of our being. It's just the quality of our hearts. I wanted to build this little wrap around this lovely passage that many of you have probably heard before from Maya Angelou. She said, uh, I've learned that whenever I decided something with an open heart, I usually make the right decision. I've learned that even when I have pains, I don't have to be one. I've learned that every day you should reach out and touch someone. People love a warm hug or just a friendly pat on the back. I've learned that I still have a lot to learn. I've learned that people will forget what you said. I know that for sure. <laughs> people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And how do we govern that? Is we cultivate, we cultivate our hearts. We cultivate uh, goodwill. We incline toward friendliness. We make, it a, we make it part of our practice. We put way too much emphasis on the daily sitting. That's another thing I wanted to add in terms of your question. So much emphasis on the sitting. It's a beautiful thing, but it doesn't necessarily trickle down all by itself. Just like as I was telling somebody last week, was it you or somebody I was talking to, I said, trickle-down economics doesn't work and neither does trickle-down meditation. <laughs> but what works is to, is to uh, intensify the other areas, the other aspects of our life, which is everything that we're doing, every person that you touch every day, everybody that you talk to, uh, what you do with your, with your um, speech, especially, what you do with your thoughts. Uh, wh what way are, are you thinking in critical ways? Are you thinking, I, I know with this, with this uh, political atmosphere, it's so easy to fall into, into frequent frustration and ill will. Anybody, any of you have that? See, if we could put that, if we could put that to good use, like every time I notice that my mind is inclining, and this is what I've been trying to do, every time I notice that my mind is inclining toward wanting to, I won't fill in the blank, I make some kind of gesture of self-soothing, um, I rub my heart, I don't know if you know the science behind heart rubs, it activates the vagus nerve, and causes the release of oxytocin in the brain and it simulates the feeling of, of being kindly parented or being touched like Maya Angelou spoke of. And that, that's a matter of, it's not something you do just on the cushion, it's something that you do by, by being self-aware as you go through the day. And so waking up in the morning and saying, my practice is going to start when I wake up and it's going to continue until I go to bed. And then 
the sitting part will be kind of the celebration, the ornament, the, the, uh, the discharge of the, all the, the inevitable stresses that build up. So there's not so much pressure that it, I have to sit to awaken right now. You, you, it, the byproduct of doing a lot of sitting is there will be a, a transformation of your understanding. But if you put too much of the pressure on it, it'll feel like a, it'll get too heavy. It'll feel like a, as Trungpa Rinpoche used to say, it will feel like a, a meal that you ate and you ate way too much. You'll just get so grim and so hard and so you'll become, instead of a Buddha, which is just awake, you'll become a Buddhist. And that's a problem. That's a problem. So the, the key is, is training, is training our, um, our minds as we go through the day. It's really training our mind to incline toward goodwill, as I said, to and I've been doing this practice for now, um, I think it's now almost, when did I move here? About 37 years ago. I, when I came here to San Francisco, it seemed very cold and not friendly because I had moved from a small city. And I had just come out of doing a, a, you know many long practice periods and and I felt a little bit odd walking down the street and where I had lived, people look at you, they said hello, but here nobody, people acted like you were, if you smiled at them, like you wanted something. And so, so rather than get freaked out about that, I started doing just what I call stealth metta, stealth loving kindness, where under my breath, every single person I would see on the street or when I drove would be, may you be happy, may you be happy, may you be happy, I love you, I love you, I love you, may you be happy, may you be happy. And I would always, and I still, when I walk down the street here in San Francisco, always remember to direct some loving thoughts to myself. That leads to another passage that I thought was really important for establishing this um, quality of being that, um, that can help us survive all the, the stresses. And this is from Pablo Neruda. And it's a, a, his poem called, You Start Dying Slowly. If you do not travel, if you do not read, if you do not listen to the sounds of life, if you do not appreciate yourself, you start dying slowly when you kill your self-esteem, when you do not let others help you. You start dying slowly if you become a slave to your habits, walking every day on the same paths if you do not change your routine, if you do not wear different colors or do not speak to those you don't know. You start dying slowly if you, avoid to, if you avoid to feel passion and its turbulent emotions, those that make your eyes glisten and your heart beat fast. You start dying slowly if you do not change your life when you're not satisfied with your job or with your love or with your surroundings. If you do not risk what is safe for the uncertain. 
you do not go after a dream, if you do not allow yourself at least once in your lifetime to run away from, this, from sensible advice. So this is not to suggest one should be indulgent, but to be to uh, to do what uh, what gladdens the heart. Remember, the Buddha taught the middle way. He didn't teach give up everything. In fact, that it was trying to give up everything that made his mind rigid, made him sick, tired, and unhappy. And what allowed him to find the middle way is he remembered a time when he was, I think, nine years old or something, and he was, he was resting really comfortably under a cherry apple tree, well-fed, beautiful light. And, and he saw that, that the senses have to be, have, need to be gladdened. They need, we need to have pleasure. Don't mean that you become just a... a, a a hungry ghost, a force of greed with a little mouth and a huge stomach, but, but proportionally gladden the heart. And especially that first part of that passage about appreciating yourself, um, directing those loving thoughts of loving kindness to yourself. You know, Buddha also said that you could scan the world in all directions and not find anyone more deserving of loving kindness than oneself. When loving kindness takes root in the heart, when our actions of body, speech, and mind become more refined, less harmful, there's gladness, there's joy, there's ease that comes. The Buddha talked about the, the non-harming action. He called it the bliss of blamelessness. And of course, that's not based on an identity of being such a pure person. That's not reliable. It's not based on getting something at some other time. It's based on just the quality of your being as you go through this life. That's what really matters. Somebody came to me in the last week who uh, lost somebody really near and dear, uh, their partner, and and they felt just, you know, as anyone does when, you've, when you lose a partner, especially a partner that you've been with for a long time, feels unmoored, uh, shaky, vulnerable, and it's obvious that you can't rely on that configuration for your sense of well-being anymore. And... This person felt so unmoored that they, they wanted to find something that they could rely on. And they remembered at least they were feeling so bad and somehow so bad about themselves. They remembered that at least they were a good cook. <laughs> but then the f next time that they cooked some cookies for somebody, the person complained about the cookies. <laughs> And they realized they couldn't rely on, on, uh, on, be, on any identity like that. It's just completely unreliable. But as this person is telling me this, what I have witnessed in this person is that they could not be a more wonderful person, could not be a more kind and considerate, 
funny, smart, all those things are just embedded in the unique expression of life that each of us is. And yet, this person was looking for, looking for, for love in all the wrong places, looking for reliability in things that really have no substance. But if one could just look to the quality of one's heart, their goodness, remembering that, and sometimes we can't remember with loving kindness to ourselves, it's really it's helpful also to remember those who do that that there are those who love us and trying to see ourselves in those in their eyes or remembering ourselves as as young and 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 vulnerable and how we've been blown so much by the circumstances of life and that we're not we're not really our fault and that any, whatever it is that, we, that our life has come to, that it's still worthy, just the fact that we are, we are expressing the mystery of life, that we're worthy of loving kindness, period. It's completely, and, to, and the sad part is, this has to be spoken about, because especially in Western life that's so excessively idealistic, we are just chronically dissatisfied and self-critical. And uh, the antidote is loving kindness. Love, and the antidote is being loving, um, being um, non-harming, and then developing that, that great heart of equanimity that has nothing to do with an identity. Nothing to do with a being a Buddhist. It's being a Buddha, just being awake. And remembering that that wakefulness is really intrinsic. It's our natural state. Try not to be aware right now. You'll see that, that awareness just shines through. And when you are aware, even though it seems like you, you may not win a title for it, but when you're aware, when you are aware, you're not unhappy. You're aware. You get used to that a little bit. Nothing to do with roles. Nothing to do with time. But if you, if you spend a lot of just unfolding present moments aware, You'll see that you, as Thich Nhat Hanh says, you are the richest person on earth who've been going around begging for a living. And that you will, as he says, stop being the destitute child and you'll, you'll be at home reclaiming your heritage. And it's invisible, except for the people that feel your kindness, that feel your purity. You won't get any titles for it, though. You'll just be happy, free. And that has a fragrance. And people catch it from those who have it. So may we all be uh, kind, non-harming, and balanced. And may our practice tonight and every night and every day from the moment we wake up till the time we go to bed be dedicated 
to the welfare and benefit of all beings, including ourselves, but the welfare and the benefit, welfare and benefit, constantly inclining the mind to be of benefit. That'll make us happy too. That's not, you won't get a title for it. Anyway, may all beings be happy. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.